Welcome to the Be Fit to Sit podcast. I'm your host, physiotherapist Kim Siddons, and I hope to equip and encourage you as we talk about healthy exercise, ergonomics, posture, and practical self-care strategies to help you feel and function your best at your desk and beyond. So if you, your family, or your colleagues spend a fair bit of time at your desk or using screens, tune in because this podcast is for you. Hey everyone, welcome to the Be Fit Sid podcast, episode number 13. We're going to call it Moving is Fun with Dale Sidebottom. So I've got Dale with me today, an amazing guest. I'm so honoured to have him. He's the founder of Energetic Education. They're on a mission to help students move and learn in a fun way. And Dale's been referred to as the energizer bunny of the teaching world. So you hear that a lot. He's got a podcast called Energetic Radio. He's the owner of all these amazing fitness businesses where he's really um, helping get the word out about bringing joy and gratitude for kids and adults through play. And he's also an author of All Work and No Play, a surprising guide to feeling more grateful, mindful, sorry, mindful, grateful and cheerful. So welcome, Dale. I'm so happy to have you on the podcast today. Thank you, Kim. I need you to come around with me and give me an intro wherever. That's one of the best ones I've ever had. So oh, thank awesome. you very much for that. Right, well, repurpose that one. Repurpose it. <laughs> go, go ahead. Like I am, um, yeah, as I we was just saying before, I'm so excited to have Dale here on the podcast, the Be Fit to podcast, because I've been following Dale's progress for a very long time when I was starting out in schools um, and doing movement things and, and games with kids to inspire them to move more. I came across Dale's amazing work and I was so inspired that he's been out there going ahead um, being brave and helping adults as well but kids and teachers really bring play and joy into their lives through movement. So Dale I was wondering if you could um, tell us a bit about your background and in particular your journey and how um, well that led you to wanting to create these amazing businesses that really help people move in in a fun and creative way. Yeah, thanks, Kim. So um, I grew up in country Victoria in a place called Shepparton. It's about two hours uh, from Melbourne. And I think growing up in country, like it's all basically based around sports. So um, I played football in winter, cricket in summer and every other sport you could ever imagine. And um, I found that I was really accepted. I love sporting culture um, and just what it meant to be part of something, um, how you learn to grow, develop, you socialize with people of all different ages, you have different roles. Um, and I just loved it. Um, I had two amazing PE teachers that uh, I wasn't always the best student, Kim, as you can probably <laughs> tell. I struggled to sit down. And, and that's one thing I really, and I, I didn't realize at the time, but um, I, I really battled it you know, we all sit in lines in the classroom yeah, and yeah. we face the front and nothing's really changed. So I'll get to that in a minute. But um, I had two teachers that were amazing. They really bought into me. They believed in me um, and just the confidence they gave me as a student. So I wanted to be a PE teacher. I wanted to have that same impact on other students. So um, I went to University of Ballarat for four years, studied PE. Um, then I taught in back in Shepparton for a year. Then I went to London for three years. I taught over there and traveled around the world. And um, one thing I found was that particularly in London, so I'd go supply teaching. So I'd go into a different school each day and like it was very challenging. Like a lot of these central London schools are really hard, Kim. And 
I found the only way I could build connections with students was by going in and playing four connection starters or icebreakers. And when I, when I did that, I really won these kids over and it took me five months to realize that. And then I'm like, Oh, this is a secret formula because all my mates were teachers over there. We're all battling. Like, how do we get these kids to listen? How do we get them to stop talking? Um, So then I thought, Oh, you know what? I've got all these games. I might make an app. Um, And that sort of got me on this journey of, you know, finding new ways to to help parents, teachers, students, adults, anyone move and learn in a really fun way. And um, when I got back from London, I was, I was fortunate enough to work for cricket Australia in a company called Cedar teaching elite young cricketers. And it was the best job, but I thought there was more for me and I was having a really good impact with these kids, but I wanted to reach more people. Um, And I found a really sort of fun way to mix movement, learning um, and connection all together. And so I started testing these out with workshops, with sports clubs, with schools, with corporates. Um, Then I started presenting overseas and it just got to a stage where I really needed to go, right, I've invested all this time in myself. It's now it's time to really believe in yourself, Dale. So I resigned from my teaching job about five years ago now, maybe five and a half years ago. And I've been full-time energetic education since. And I think I've been to 20-odd countries around the world. And um, the one thing I've found, Kim, is it doesn't matter what race you are, what language you speak, if you can incorporate play and having fun, it's like the universal language. And um, I've been to a lot of countries where people can't understand me anyway and they speak English because of my crazy Australian ochre accent <laughs> but through play you can connect um, and yeah. that's the one thing I've found and essentially I started doing it with students but the one thing I found is as adults life becomes serious I know we we're talking about mm-hmm. a little bit before that slowing down during this pandemic has actually been a blessing and um, you look around you can't buy puzzles you can't get adult coloring in books can't buy a bike because people are so down and they've taken time to play and reconnect. And that's been one beautiful thing about everything that we've gone through. Cause there's always a positive. It's maybe it's a little yeah. bit harder to find for certain people, but um, yeah, I think just connecting with play and having fun. And um, I now do that. Yeah. Basically for everyone, because at the end of the day, we're all little kids at heart. Some people just struggle to find that. Yeah. That's amazing. Isn't it? Um, and is that how, how do you like in practical ways, how do you encourage people to then take on board that philosophy in their everyday life? Yeah. And, and this is the hardest part because I think for so long, people have used busy as a badge of honor. You know, I'm too busy. I'm yes. too busy. And yeah. And essentially, and you would see this all the time, Kim, but you know, you have, oh, I'm guilty. I'm guilty. <laughs> I think we I'm all guilty. are. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to throw you under the bus here, no, but one yeah. of the things I say to people is lock in play dates in your calendar. And okay. if that's at work, if that's with your family and you make them, you know, part of your daily routine, because if we don't do that, as we said, you know, life takes over and it ends up getting pushed to the side with kids, with family commitments, work, all these other different things. So um, I find that it's not a long period of time at all. Like you can have a five or 10 minute gap in between your day. And if you're too busy, that's an excuse. You can find that time. And a lot of these activities you can do by yourself or you can do with people you work with or at home with your family yeah. or friends. Um, and, and my thing is, and the big thing I talk about, I call it play-based mindfulness because for me, sitting still and meditating and doing yoga, I, I really struggle with that. And yeah. I find other people do as well, Kim. Um, yeah. Whereas when I'm playing a game or I'm present, like I'm not thinking about anything else. I'm not like, did I feed my kid this morning? What's a dog doing? If I paid the mortgage, you're not thinking about anything because you're present with what you're doing. Um, and essentially, that is what mindfulness is. So, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I think I've gone around and around in circles there, but uh, yeah, play-based mindfulness, having fun every day, connecting with others. Um, it's really important. Yeah, well, no, I found I don't know if that 
I think you were alluding to that before, Dale, when you were talking about kids sitting in rows in classrooms and stuff. I mean, I've got two young boys myself. Um, they struggle to sit still in class and a lot of kids do as well. Um, and I've sort of found that movement is sort of a kid's natural language. Like I really think my boys will struggle to, to lie down and sit and take on um, concepts about um, meditation, mindfulness, even emotional, you know, sort of um, struggle to identify their emotions. But when they move, that's their natural tool like that's the way that it's their language act really um, yep. and they can feel it it's tangible um, so can you just yeah elaborate on what you found about how bringing movement in as a way to really engage with kids sort of helps yeah so I, I find that well it's like you know when we go shopping we all buy different clothes we don't all have the same size shoe that yeah. Why do we try and deliver education in one way where we sit and learn and absorb knowledge? Um, and I just have to think back to growing up that the, the most things I remember at school is when a teacher would create a game or you'd be moving around and you'd be learning at the same time. I, I couldn't tell you one thing I learned in a university lecture where they're teaching us to be teachers and we sit there and just get information thrown at us while we don't move our bodies. It's such a contradiction. So the big thing is for me is I don't know how you learn, Kim. I don't know how any other student learns. So why do we assume that we want to sit in rows? So one of the and this is, and adults are the worst for this. So when I go to a workshop or a keynote or whatever it is, Kim, I'll ask everybody, can you please get your chair, bang, and your table and push it to the side? And people are like, oh yeah, but where do I sit? I go, that's up to you. I don't really mind because then I'll do a couple of those fun activities, games, connections. And I'll say, all right, now you can design the room however you want, sit however you want. Some people like sitting, laying, standing, it doesn't matter. But when we have rows, we go to this default setting that that's our safe setting. And I do exactly the same in the classroom that kids design the room how you want. I don't know how you learn best. As long as you're comfortable and you're happy, why do we just do it like we have for centuries? Like nothing's changed. You got you to look at schools, Kim. There was no internet around. But so all these things have changed. But the mm. way we teach, they're still in rows, in tables, facing the front, chalk and chalk. Like it just, it baffles me. And I think it's more of a safety blanket that, you know, it's just the way it's been done and we just keep doing it this way. Whereas my thing is let's create something, get the buy-in from the students because if they're designing the room and they're not learning well, I said, well, you designed the room here. Why aren't you learning? Do you want, do you want to go back to the way it was? Um, yeah. So my thing is find ways to move. And um, I think it's coming in a lot of the work I do in international schools before the pandemic they're really advanced with, you know, the way they design their room. They've got a lot of those desks with like um, pedals underneath. They've got standing up desks, they've got beanbags, couches. Um, and I think that's the way of the future because looking at homeschooling now or the way everybody's working, people all work differently. They're not all sitting at a desk. Some might be sitting on a bed, a couch, on the floor. Who knows? Everybody learns differently. And I think that's a big message that if people are having fun with whatever they're doing and they're comfortable, they're going to be more inclined to be present, to take in what you're talking about. Yeah, and not have to be so static all the time. They can just yeah. mix it up a bit, move around, have have flexibility and permission to to move and yep. permission that's a, to move I think that's I think that's a real big word you've just mentioned there Kim permission like yeah. that if you want to get up and move your body if you want to do a couple of squats or hold a plank 
have permission to do that because you might need that. We can't just sit down all day. Mm. Like I'll probably stand up in a minute and do some squats. Do you know what I mean? I hope you give me permission, but I think we don't. (laughs) Thank you. I think that's a really important word. Like, and you've hit the nail on the head there. And I think even um, when I talk to clients who are working in corporate jobs and sitting at desks often, I'll say, oh, can you sprinkle in this little stretch or these exercises to help switch on the right muscles so you can um, avoid pain and whatever? And they'll look at me and go, oh, that's not really, that's a bit frowned upon in our work culture. Like if you're stretching back and you're moving a bit, you seem to be not actually doing work. Like you seem to be not focused on the job. So it is a bit of a cultural um, thing too with that whole giving people permission to move. It's gradually changing, I think. Do you think it's changing? Yeah. Gradually. Do you, well, with that, do you think, I, I think in a way this that's where this pandemic is going to be a blessing because mm. you don't need to be at work to do your job. You don't need to work nine to five. Um, if you need to, in the middle of the day, walk your dog or do a gym session, then that should be, you know, encouraged. Whereas previously, like, I think there's a norm and and what's expected. Well, again, it comes back to, I really feel that we don't all learn the same way and we don't all work the same way. So I'm really hopeful that, you know, people can adapt um, and see what's worked for different people. And hopefully they get encouraged to keep doing that. I don't don't know. Is that something you're seeing or do you reckon things will just go back to the way they are? I don't think they'll go back to the way they are because I think they've started to to change but I think it's um I think it's going to be interesting to see how different companies take that on board but I think people are starting to realize that it's not so great for them I've also had some people that when they're working from home that have really felt like they've gotten engrossed in their work and they haven't moved as much so it seems to be um a bit of both bit a bit of both and so I think all we can do is just encourage people to still feeling empowered and in, in moving in, in ways that really suit them and I think that's probably what um what I I guess it sort of springs to mind when I'm talking about the things that you do and fun what's fun for you you know what yeah. what lights you up what floats your boat so have you sort of found um, some different things that work for different people have you found you know, that you use. Yeah. So the one thing I find with when you try and bring a little bit of fun to the workplace and things like that, that there's some really important rules. And one of them is that there's not really any winners or losers. Um, Play isn't about winning or losing. So if whatever activity you're doing, you're keeping score or, um, you know, people are sitting out or being eliminated, then just get rid of that altogether. Like there should be no games in schools, in workplaces, sports clubs where, you know, if you're out, you sit down and watch. Like that is not inclusive at all. Everybody needs to play. And the games I love using, Kim, are ones where you might be in pairs and you've got a challenge and you're just challenging each other. And we will be playing and we'll be challenging each other. We're not even looking at anybody else because we're so concentrated in what we're doing. So what that also does is it makes people feel safe. All right, allows vulnerability to occur because we're only playing against each other. We're not standing in a circle and at the start of the session going, hi, I'm Dale, I'm from Melbourne. Hi, I'm Kim, I'm from Adelaide. That's an ice maker because you're not even thinking about what I'm saying because you're so nervous about what what am I going to say? I don't know how to say it. The limelight's on one person. So if an activity is identifying one person where everybody's listening, that is definitely not an activity you want to be using or... Again, it's not about winning or losing. It's about having fun. So I think that really comes down to how you set that up. It's like like when we run sports sessions or coaching or things like that, and you've got 10 kids on a witch's hat waiting. Name a game yeah. where you, you stand on a witch's hat and wait. That, 
if you've got an activity like that and there's more than two people behind a cone, then that's wasted time because that's not how it would be simulated in a game. And I think it's very similar in the workplace, home, wherever, that it's just about having fun, connecting and being part of it. It doesn't matter if you win or lose. It's a feeling you get and the connection you have with other people. Yeah, and definitely, um, I, I mean, I sometimes use uh, movement and exercise as a way, as a bit of an escape. Like if I feel like I'm getting a bit, oh, this, especially, you know, in, in time we've been stuck in lockdown and it, everything's going a bit nuts at home, I'm like, I just need to ha- have half an hour out of the house. <laughs> I've been yeah. for a bit. Um, and, and that's my escape. And, and I love using movement and exercise because that floats my boat, whatever it is, um, as a bit of me time. But then I ha- I know there's a lot of people that will say to me, well, that's okay for you, Kim, because you love exercise. I don't love exercise. And it's like, well, can we encourage people to find a way that suits them, that they find really lights them up and really helps them? Have you found ways that you can encourage people just, you know, on their own to sort of lower that barrier of entry that they don't have to necessarily do a whole heap, but just do a little bit? Yeah, and I, I think the big thing is people feel like they're failing you unless they do like a yeah. 45 minute hit session. Yeah. And it's not yeah. like we all we all need different things. And that's where my biggest advice for anybody going, like obviously I've created so many fitness games using dice cards. Look, to make it fun, I get that, but you've got to be in the right headspace, you know. And and mm. a lot of time at the moment, people just don't have that motivation to do it. So one of the biggest things I've been recommending to people during the pandemic, the lockdowns, everything is once a day, take all devices, put them away and just go for a 30 minute walk by yourself with your animal, with your family, without any distractions. I think we're so connected and so accessible and we've got all these um, notifications going off 24 seven that a simple walk every day. Yes, it's good for your health, but your mental health is probably more important and having that each day. And what I've found is if you can do that each day, then you're like, oh, maybe I might do a 20 minute workout or I might go on YouTube and um, go onto Dale Sidebottom's channel where there's hundreds of fun fitness activities you can go and get for free. And I might try one with a dice with my family and friends. Yeah. All right. But you've got to start somewhere. And I think people, the way we talk to ourselves, Kim, is horrible. Like, oh, I didn't exercise again. I'm so unfit. I'm overweight. Oh, this lockdown, it's no good to me. I'm a failure. Well, no, no, don't speak to yourself like that because you'd never speak. I would never get on here and say that to you, Kim. So why would I say that to myself? And I think the biggest thing is start small, little wins Uh and be consistent. You know, like 30 minute walk every day, everybody can do it. Um, And that's where I would start, particularly, you know, when, headspace and cloud noise and all these things going on that people aren't in the best spot and that's understandable but go easy on yourself and I I think that's one thing I've been really noticing with a lot of the virtual sessions I've been running um, for corporates and things is just be kind to yourself we we talk about being kind to others Kim but we're not kind to Mm. ourselves and people have probably got worse um, have, as maybe their eating's got worse, they're sitting at home, they may be drinking too much, they're not yeah. exercising, that negative self-talk is something that needs to stop. Yes, you're absolutely right. And I think it's so easy to get sucked into all the things we haven't done right and we haven't done this and I'm not doing that, so I'll just completely stop. And I must say, like, I love the fact that Australia's really good and our health system in, in educating people about moving and the guidelines are half an hour a day but I do find sometimes that for some people, a half an hour exercise every day is almost so overwhelming that they feel they're failing already if they're not 
getting that in. And so it's almost like anything you do, any little movement, whether it's anything, some, some, some little things at your desk, if that's all you can manage at that moment, then that's okay. But don't beat yourself up about what you're not yeah. doing. Like keep trying to sprinkle little bits. I love, you know, helping people sprinkle things throughout your day, little bits even. It all adds up. Um, particularly to help improve your metabolism if you're doing little things often. So if you can't set aside your half hour, then that's okay. Like at least try to congratulate yourself for trying something because that's better than nothing. And and you're right about that negative self-talk. It can be a bit of a a downhill spiral, can't it? So Yeah, we we tell... We tell like our, our kids and students to be kind to themselves and then us as adults, we're the worst yeah. because we don't do it to ourselves. And, yeah. um, so my thing is, I know a lot of people, uh, like my sister, she has got a bike set up in her garage and she can only watch an episode of a TV series if she's on the bike. So you set little <laughs> wings like that or... Yeah, yeah, or if you've got an awesome audio book or podcast you like, you can only do it if you're walking. Or if there's somebody you like phoning, be consistent. Both go for a walk and ring each other at the same time. The little things like that that are really simple and you actually won't even realise you're exercising because you're probably ticking off, you know, a meeting call or chatting to your mum or dad or your family member or somebody like that. So I find ways to mask it are really good as well. That is great. I love that. So ways to mask it. If, if you're not someone that's really inclined to love exercise, <laughs> set yourself little guidelines about how, um, yeah, about how you can actually reward yourself by something fun while you're doing, yeah, while you're doing your moving, doing doing your little bits of exercise. So you actually, at least until you get into the habit, hey, because sometimes we all know that to create new habits, it takes a little, a little bit of getting going. You don't feel the rewards necessarily straight away. You don't feel great about, oh, God, I've got to put my shoes on and off I go again. <laughs> um, but once you develop those habits, then you start to feel so good about yourself. So just starting with those, they're great little tips. I was actually having this conversation with my husband last night because he's like, I love going riding, but I hate doing the strength work that I know you know, he's had a lot of over the years as a as a cricketer. Um, yes, and he's like, oh, I just can't get my to do the strength work. I'd rather just jump on my bike. And so we were saying, well, maybe don't get on your bike until you've done your exercises, you, you know, your rehab. There you go. He's yeah. telling you to do. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, that's the that same sort of thing. Reward yourself for something you do like uh, when you've done the thing that might be a bit of a push uphill to get yeah, started. well then I think with that as well that um the one thing and and since my sister told me that most TV episodes go for 30 minutes or 45 minutes, like um and it's such a thing. If you really like a TV show, then just set boundaries and watch that while you're doing that thing that you don't enjoy, or um, I don't know, it might be something as simple as that, and that's how we get started. I, I yeah. like that. Do you find uh, because you're trying to tell your husband what to do as a physio, <laughs> but as a wife that he's more inclined to say no <laughs> <laughs> no he's pretty good like that because he, he, okay. he needs and he knows he won't get treatment and live unless he doesn't like you haven't done your exercises mate don't come running for a massage <laughs> oh buddy anyway but I find that with my kids too because it is really hard to practice what you preach and um 
you know, no illusions that I'm no perfect mum when it comes to kids sitting in front of devices, but we do try to have some sort of set guidelines around, you know, with the kids. They know after a little while I'll come and, you know, get them and go, come on, guys, we need to move. Um, but the same sort of thing, like if they're watching a YouTube clip or a show or whatever, you know, we try and, and say, want you watch one, now get up and get away from the screen and do something different even if it's just for a few minutes. I've got a little mantra. Um, people on this that listen to the podcast will know that it's about two minutes of movement every half hour, boost your brain and body. That's what I do with kids in classroom, boost your brain and body, a couple of minutes every half hour to keep your metabolism going. And so they, they've found um, that, yeah, YouTube clips, TV shows, all those sorts of things, at the same sort of thing. At the end of one one of them, not yeah, yeah, yeah. at the end of one of them, then get up, do something different and get away from just being so intensely uh, locked into that screen. And then sometimes that will, that will actually break it up and they won't necessarily want to go back. They'll actually get on their scooter and start riding around or kick a footy or whatever yeah. it is. Um, and, and it just does break that cycle of feeling really sort of, locked in and focused on the on the screens and you know doing that sort of thing so I love that there's little ways that you can sort of throw in creative ways isn't it yeah well, of course and, and and like you said like that's everybody like we do sit down too long and I know hmm. that's why your podcast is um so timely at the moment particularly when you look at you know New South Wales and Victoria I'm not going to be doom and gloom about COVID but a lot of people are sitting at home and they're probably not in the best headspace so getting up and moving your body regularly or finding ways to make it so you don't realize you're moving your body and one of the things I started doing um, in my last teaching job was using musical songs as a workout tool so we get a song and in, for example Roxanne the police like every time you hear Roxanne you do a push-up every time you hear red light you do a squat so instead of Kim or Dale saying do a squat do a push-up you're listening to Sting tell you in the song and it takes away the fact that you're moving your body. It only goes for two and a half minutes. That's a very short song. Yeah, and in the cool. end, you've done a pretty solid two and a half minutes. And that's what I use as like an energy break or a brain break or something like that. And um, yeah, finding fun ways to move your body so you don't actually realise you're doing it. And that, that's probably the key. Sneaky fitness, I call it in a way, Kim. Sneaky fitness. It is a bit. You're trying to um, yeah. overtly sort of sneak it in. And I think that's yeah. what's so much fun in, in schools, isn't it? How um, you can really easily, when you, you get, get kids up and moving and doing stuff, whether it's to music or rhythms and rhymes and clapping stuff and dice games and all those sorts of things, um, they don't realise that your agenda is actually getting, getting them. <laughs> Very sneaky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you found some, um, have, have there been some specific things that you've seen in offices um, and, and also schools? Have you seen some specific benefits like that, you know, just you can you, off the top of your head that you've you've noticed from yeah so I, what i've found probably more so than than the exercise or the movement benefits um uh, you, you give particularly adults in a corporate setting you give them the permission to play with a fun activity and it just changes a room the energy like because a lot of the time mm -hmm. i'll roll in it might be the end of the day or they're like oh what's this guy doing he's got shorts on he's got runners i don't wear a polo because i wear what i want kim i want to be comfortable so people judge me straight away because i i don't look like a normal corporate speaker coming in um but if you allow them to have fun it just changes our dynamic and the games are very simple and what i've found is particularly 
um, some just really clapping ones, like you said, people will now start their meetings with that because it changes the energy. Instead of doing the same mundane, same thing over and over and again, how is everyone? All right, log on, let's go. Start with a two or three minute game where it's clapping, it's fun. It's not about winning or losing. People are laughing, the energy's on and they're going to absorb more in your meeting anyway. So yes. probably the biggest thing I've found is the buy-in from the activities and they just see them not as fun, but they see them as the benefits that, you know, making people feel safe, making them feel comfortable, changing the environment, the energy before they go into probably what's going to be a boring meeting because, you know, that's what people do. They sit in meetings. So yeah. the way is to start it with something different, start with that wow factor and then that'll flow into what you're doing. And um, I find like with what we just said before about, finding ways to move your body and things is don't actually tell people what you're doing that just mm. get the activities going and the learning takes place afterwards. So for example, mm. the last lockdown in between four and five or five, six, I don't know, I was working with O Media in South Melbourne and there's about 70 corporates in the room and I, I don't go in, I don't say my name, I don't do anything. I just go bang, there's four activities straight off and then they sit down and people are like, wow, what just <laughs> happened? And people are going crazy. And I'm like, yeah. well, that's the power of play. You just, you don't need to be told something. Don't label it because if you label something, people will form a judgment of it. And I think that's the same with exercise mm. and activity. If you tell people what they're going to do or what's going to happen, they'll go, no, this isn't for me. Whereas if you barrier. don't, yeah. 100%, that mm. barrier comes up. Whereas if you don't tell them what you're going to do and you just do it, they, they're so engaged with it. And then the learning takes place afterwards. Um, yes. And I think that's the biggest thing. If you label something, people will judge it. Yeah. No, that's really, that's amazing. That's really cool. I love how you just come in and like, well, we're into it and it's no choice. There's no, <laughs> that's really cool. And often um, I've said that just to some high school students not so long ago, I was like, all the things we've done today in our lesson, you haven't realised it, but it's been really targeted. It's been specific. I didn't give you those things to do just off a whip, like just off a whim. There was means behind or those motive behind what we were doing it was all to designed to specifically switch things on energize your brain da, da, da. and like oh okay um and then yeah i love how you say do it first and then the learning and the learning comes later because people do put their barriers up don't they, they yep. yeah 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 and it, it doesn't matter like you're saying working with kids adults anybody mm. um and i find particularly now um, working around sort of the well-being sort of space, you know, like being kind and practicing gratitude and empathy and things like that, that don't actually label it. And again, this is at home. Yes. If you want to, you know, if you want to practice some gratitude with your kids or things, make it into a game, pick five, six questions. Each number relates to one of the dice. So one might be, how was your day today? What was the best thing that happened? What's something I can see I'm grateful for? So instead of saying, we're going to practice gratitude now, everybody rolls the dice because using a dice makes it fun and it makes it a game. And then you share the question and it's the same. You don't say, oh, we're going to do gratitude now with the dice. Let's go, we're going to roll the dice and have a chat. And then the learning takes place afterwards. I think it's the same with anything that people will judge. Adults probably judge more than kids because yeah. they're more curious. Whereas adults now, like I've had bad experience with that. I don't do team building. I don't like icebreakers. Uh, yeah. Fitness isn't for me. I've had a bad experience. Oh, great. That's, oh, let's put that negative energy aside. Let's just stand up and have some fun. And people are like, oh, what is this guy going to do? But yeah. as you said, you label it. Everyone will be able to form a judgment and it won't work. Mm, yeah. Gives them a chance to eye roll. Go, oh yeah, here we are. Yeah, big time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> whereas... 
Yeah, whereas they don't necessarily understand what they're doing, that's a great way to sort of just sneak it in, particularly, yeah, with, say, a team or with your kids at home or so. Just just do it. Just have some fun and then afterwards go, hey, this is what we just did. Look look at the benefits and look how energised we feel, look how happy we are, all those uh, amazing things because people are, are really feeling tired, I think, and so I find movement's a really fun way um and especially through the games and stuff to actually you know it's scientifically doesn't it scientifically it gets your metabolism going so there's the there is it's not just a fluffy sort of concept (laughs) it actually it does energize you at that cellular level but then it just um energizes your whole emotional system as well i think so that you actually are feeling so much more joy so much more gratitude in a happier space um, and I think that's the beauty of what you you bring it all together, you know, with you. Try to. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but, it's a great concept. And I think with what you just said there, that, that word joy that um, a lot of people essentially, and you'd see this all the time, Kim, they think they have to move their body for their health benefits. It's more for the head noise, for mm. the benefits it brings to your emotions. Um, yeah. And with our emotions being all over the shop at the moment, anything that can improve that is a massive win, I feel. Yeah, definitely. Hormonally tries, you know, sets everything in a little bit of perspective, doesn't it? So that's amazing. Oh, Dale, it's been so much fun chatting to you today. I'm really grateful to have you have you with us. And um, how can people sort of get in touch with you, follow along what you do? What's the best way for them to reach out and contact you? Uh, best way, probably. Uh, oh where to start um probably my website energetic.education is probably the main avenue where you could go if you wanted to look at a little bit of what i do i've got a ted talk out there so you can just type in dale side ted talk um and that probably gives you a little bit of an idea and actually i start my ted talk with that clapping game i was talking about so oh. it might be a game play against me in the ted talk or um use yeah. it around the house that could be my little bit of homework for somebody so that's probably the best that's bet awesome. reach out there yeah. yeah, or if you just search Dale Sidewater, it's a pretty unique name, Kim. So um, yeah. <laughs> it's not as if uh, I'm like uh, John Smith that says a few of us. <laughs> I don't know many others, so you should be able to find me pretty easy. <laughs> That's awesome. Are you on social media as well, Dale? I am, yeah, just just Dale Sidewater. Dale so Sidewater. Instagram, yeah, Dale yeah. Sidewater on Twitter. Yep, so you should be able to find Beauty. me pretty easy. Find it easy and, and keep your ear out for what Dale's up to. Listen to his podcast, Energetic Education. Lots of goodness. So, Dale, thank you so much for being with us today. And I really look forward to um, keeping tabs on, on how you're going and, and your progress, what you're doing. It's great work, mate. Great work. Thanks so much, Kim. Really appreciate it. <laughs>